So um, I have a couple go-tos. I just need you to know, so two and a half, I drive an old pickup, 1998. Uh, you're like, yeah, maybe that's not so old. I just, by the way, 1998 was the year I graduated high school. And they just had my 20-year uh, reunion last week in Connecticut. I didn't go because I don't even remember anyone I went to high school with. Um, that's how I feel like I'm getting up there. I feel like I'm getting up there in age. You hit that marker and you're like, whoa, this is real now. This isn't like 10 or 15. This is 20 years. But I have this old 1998 pickup truck driving down the road. I went to get a Christmas tree. Uh, it was right after Thanksgiving. I had my dad in the cab. He's visiting from Oklahoma. And I just gotten done saying how great it was to drive this old pickup and how much I love it. And as we're driving down the highway, it just stopped. It didn't want to go anymore. And I cruised. Luckily, I was able to get over. It was like in an interchange. It was kind of a dangerous spot. And pull over in a weird location. And then had to decide, who am I going to call now? Right? So my dad says, well, call Marty. She'll come pick you up. And I'm like, I don't know if I want my wife to bring my kids to the side of the road on a highway in an interchange. It just feels like it's not a great location to to, you know, to do that. So then he's like, well, who would you call, right? I mean, you, those three questions, I mean, you know, the rubber meets the road. You call, hey, I'm stuck on the side of the road. I need you to come pick me up. Or, um, you know, I need someone to listen to me. Or I forget what the, th- what's the third one. Yeah, I need to borrow something. Oh, I got a couple of those friends too. Um, and so I knew who to call. And I made a phone call. My dad was like, you have a guy who picks you up on the side of the road? I'm like, this is not the first time he's done this, Right. I have a guy. I have a guy who's, who comes to pick me up on the side of the road. He's also the guy who usually takes me to the airport when I need to go somewhere. Like, this is my guy who I call, and he'll usually drop everything and come and rescue me in whatever situation I'm in, okay? Uh, or I have a friend who has just a whole garage and basement full of weird things, and when I need something to borrow, I call him. I'm like, hey, do you happen to have a whatever, a so-and-so? Oh, yeah, no problem. Come on over and pick it up. So you have that guy. But then you also have somebody in your life probably when you need to share something, right? Like usually that's my mom. Like my dad will usually be like, cool, whatever, great, talking to you, bye. Um, Because he's a dude and that's how he operates. And I don't, it's fine. I don't, there's no, when I talk to my mom, man, she's in it. She's feeling it. She's got that gift of uh, I'm going to feel your stuff, right? Whatever that is. And so you guys probably have, yeah, I didn't get that one. <laughs> you guys, uh, you probably have people that are your go-to, right? That you are, you know that when you need something, they will be there for you. They are with you, right? They are with you. And so this morning, as we're starting to sort of transition, the next two weeks we'll be talking about the Christmas story. And then uh, we'll probably have one more sort of standalone week where we uh, will do just sort of a standalone sermon. And then in the new year, we're actually going to launch into doing a, a book study. So we're probably going to work through the book of James, what, we're, what I've been working on lately. So, um, and I want you to know, generally when we come together for this section, I will either be preaching out of one passage most of the time, or we will be moving through a passage of scripture through a book of the Bible. So that way we're getting the full context of why it was written and who wrote it and what it was about. And we're not just sort of picking and choosing things. I know we've done that a little bit for the last three weeks, uh, but we're going to get more into a rhythm of actually working through sections of scripture uh, when the new year begins. And that's something that we have a high value of. So, uh, but as we're sort of thinking about Christmas, um, I just, it felt like we could talk a little bit about God's biggest present to us, right? God's biggest present to us. And and it might not, it might be what you think, and it might not be what you think. So I really wanted to kind of just start with 
just um, looking at John chapter 1 and seeing how John opens up his um, account of Jesus' story because I think it kind of helps us understand what God was thinking when he sent a baby into this world to save humanity. Okay, it helps us kind of frame the whole thing. So I'm going to pick up the passage here in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And this is some heady stuff, right? So John didn't write his uh, account of Jesus' story to the religious people. He wrote it to more of the philosophers. And it's got a lot more of that kind of bend to it. There's a lot more of the sort of uh, academic language. You know, he's, he's sort of giving the, the philosophical people a, a, a nod here in the beginning of the book. And it's, it's not necessarily easy to figure out exactly what's going on. We read it now and we kind of have more context with it. But if you just come at it cold, it's, you're sort of like, what is even happening here, right? So he says, in the beginning was the word, okay? And the word was with God. And the word was God. And so if you're just picking this up and you're not a religious person, you don't know anything about Jesus, you're actually asking the question right off the bat here. It's like, who is he talking about? Like, what is this person? It's almost like, um, guess who? If anyone's ever played guess who, you know? Nobody? You're just like, hey, does your person have glasses? And they're like, no. And then you click the tiles down, right? So like, as the person's reading this, like, well, who is he talking about? Okay, so here are, the, here are the clues. In the beginning was the word, right? So this is a person who didn't, wasn't created, right? They were there. They were there when things got created, right? So that's a, that's a big clue as to who we're talking about. And the word was with God. Okay, so God was there and this other person was there and they were there in the beginning. They're an uncreated person, right? This is right, philosophy, you know, like it's getting difficult, but we can, we can reason through this. And the word was God. And they're like, I don't know. I, I flipped all my tiles down and now I don't know who this is. Right? So now the person is reading this and they're like, wow, tell me about who this is. This is unlike any other person that's ever existed. There is no one who could both not be created, be there at creation, be with God, and then be God himself. It says he was with God in the beginning. So through him all things were made. Whoa. Okay, now we're really, like, add all these things up. This is something completely different than anything we've ever heard about. Now, John wrote his book more to the, um, more to the Greek mindset, not the Jewish mindset. So he was kind of baiting them into like, let me tell you about something you've never heard about. You know all the stories out there, right? You know all the other gods that are out there. Let me tell you about a god you've never heard about. Let me tell you about a person that doesn't make any sense. He was there in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. And everything was made through him. Nothing that was made was made Outside of him. Without him, nothing that was made has been made. That's what it says. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. So he lays out this incredible person. Who's unlike anything that's ever come or been in existence. In him is light, is life. He was there in the beginning. He is God. He was with God. Everything was created through him. And when you read this, it's more like poetry. So you're kind of asking the question, like, who is this? And then you're asking the question, like, uh, do I care? This seems like somebody who's not accessible. Right? When you read this, you almost are getting the feeling like this might be the God who created the cosmos, but I'm not so sure he created my daughter. Right, like he might have created the Grand Canyon, but I'm not so sure that he cares at all about what's going on in my life. Right, so you, John has a problem here. He's created this really 
big, beautiful, grand picture of who Jesus is. And it's drawing people in to understand who he is. But we need to understand that when you read it that way, you're, the philosophy side of our brain, which is kind of deconnected, or disconnected from the emotions of us sometimes, is going to go, well, great, he created the entire world, but does he really care about me? Now, I actually think that there are a lot of people in our lives who think like that. They say, God maybe is out there somewhere. Maybe he spun this whole thing up. Maybe he created the laws that govern this world uh, in the natural world that we see out there. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I could say that there's probably a God who did all this. But I'm not sure this God cares about me or is involved in my life or is in my day-to-day or is invested in who I am. I'm not sure I can connect with this God who's out there. And that was kind of where this was going. And then John takes kind of a, a turn, right? And he shows us that at his birth, Jesus became God with us. Not God out there somewhere. Not God who spun all this up and got things going, but God who is with us, right? So he goes on and he says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Now notice he's speaking in the past tense because he wrote this after Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' ascension into heaven. And so he says, Jesus was in the world and now he's, even though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. The world turned on him. The world, uh, you know, didn't listen to what he had to say and didn't accept him as, as their own. So it says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, and now it starts to get a little more personal. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, not of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So he says, we're going to start with this idea of Jesus and it's way, it's way out there. He created everything. He's God. He was there in the beginning. He's you know, he's this huge grand thing that's be, way beyond what you could ever really understand. He, he's different than every other God that existed. Everything was created through him. He was there in the beginning. He was not created, right? He is God and he was with God. And then it says, he came and allowed us to become his children, not of natural descent. And it says, then he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Most gods in the time of Jesus and pre uh, first century, were gods who lived and then became sort of legends and then became sort of gods. So they were people in the flesh who did something and then their legend grew and then they became something that was worshipped. This is a god who is known pre-flesh as being the god who created everything and then puts on flesh and joins us in the struggle that we go through every day. This idea that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us uh, I love the message uh, version that, the, that says that he moved into our neighborhood. You can't take the youth pastor out of me, okay? I'm still going to quote the message when I, when I preach sometimes, okay? He moved into our neighborhood. So Jesus puts on flesh and moves into our neighborhood. So at his birth, Jesus became God with us. And it turns out that God's greatest present to us was Jesus' presence with us. If you're talking about greatest present you've ever received, for me, it's very, very easy. 1987 Nintendo Entertainment System, Christmas Day, 
right? Eight games, eight games to play. If you want to ask me later what my uh, launch titles were for the Nintendo Entertainment System, I will tell you it was an, a life-altering moment in my life. It was the greatest present that I've ever received. I challenge my wife to ever top that, right? Like, oh, I'm going to pay for that one later, aren't I? <laughs> I do have two children, crap. <laughs> Should have re really thought that one through. Um, but God was giving us a present that we didn't even necessarily know we, knew, we needed. Right? God was showing us his heart in giving us Jesus. And I, I don't know if you think like this. I do all the time. I read the Old Testament and I look at God in the Old Testament and I try to figure out who this God is and I can't quite wrap my head around the justice of God in the Old Testament and the person of God in the Old Testament. Sometimes he sort of feels like he's sort of far away. And essentially what God is saying to us when he sends Jesus is, let me show you who I really am. When I actually meet Jesus and when I understand who Jesus is, then I start to really understand the heart of God because it seems like he was one way and then he showed us who he was in the person of Jesus. And now we can fully understand who God is. We take what we read in the Old Testament, we take the person of Jesus, and now we get God's heart in a different way. And so his greatest presence to us was Jesus' presence with us. And we say that he is the incarnate God, incarnational, in the flesh. I'll do like a little lesson for you on uh, the word incarnate. Okay, I'm going to break it down and help you understand it. Incarnate. In. Meaning in. Okay? It's going to get real complicated. Carnate, coming from the root word carne. Anyone? Yeah, meat. Carne asada tacos, right? Anyone here Spanish? Come on, right? In the flesh. Not disconnected from us. Not a God who is up there spinning things up and walking away. Not a God who's up there with his magnifying glass torturing the ants, right? Not a God who doesn't love us. Not a God who's indifferent to us. A God who steps into our world and shows us who he is in the person of Jesus who loves us. He moves into our neighborhood. He gives us his presence in the person of Jesus. And the thing is, presence sometimes is the greatest thing that we can give each other. Presence is the thing that we long for in our lives. We long for the presence of the people around us. We long to give the presence that we have to others. We long to receive God's presence in the person of Jesus. Sometimes that is enough for us. Now for me, as a young pastor, I remember like uh, one of my first years in ministry, I had a, a student try to commit suicide. And so I got a phone call at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And you know, hey, your student is in the hospital. And so I went to her house and woke up her dad and got her brother in the car and drove them to the hospital. And I was like 20, you know, five years old. And the whole way there, I was thinking, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not qualified for this. Who, no one trained me. What do you do when you show up to that kind of situation? Right? I had to drive dad because he was drunk. And I had to pick up brother who didn't want to get out of bed even when he heard what was going on and take them down to the hospital and then spend the night with the family. And I was like... I don't know the right words. I don't, know the, I don't know the right verses. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do in this moment. You know what I did? I just was present. I just gave him my presence. Just when I could, I prayed. When I could, I shared something out of the Bible. Like 
When I could, I just gave them what I had. Still to this day, I will have conversations with that family and they will bring that up. Because your presence sometimes is the most important thing that you can give to someone else. It's the thing that people miss when you are disconnected from them. Right? And you don't necessarily always have to have the right words. You don't always have to have the right things to say or things to do. But just being there sometimes is enough. And God shows us that by bringing Jesus into our world so that we'll understand his heart for us. And we'll see what he values and how he loves us through the person of Jesus. His greatest present to us was Jesus' presence with us. And right? we're supposed to be present in each other's lives. You're supposed to come here and be known by people. And you're supposed to have these people connected to you in your life. So you have the presence of God through other people in your life. That's one of the things that as a pastor has made me the most uh, upset or sad about the generation of students and young adults that we're dealing with. Because a lot of them are walking away from the church. Are walking away from the presence of God through people in their lives. And they are the most connected they've ever been. Because, you know, you're connected to thousands of people in your social media and on your phone and everything. But they're the most isolated and lonely generation that we've ever seen as well. Because that's not real. That's not a real thing. This eye-to-eye, face-to-face, relationship-to-relationship is real. This is what God intended for us. And this is what he shows us by moving into our neighborhood. By putting on flesh and coming into our world and showing us what it looks like. And he calls us to do this for each other as well. And this is what he asks us for. Give your presence to other people. Right? Be generous with your time and who you are. Connect with others. Okay? And then it goes on. Verse 16. It says, We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father. And he was full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is closest in relationship with the Father has been made known. Right? So it says Jesus came and he came in a specific way to help us understand. He comes in full grace and full truth. Okay? And I think sometimes we read that we think balance. Grace and truth. Let's balance those two things. Right? In the relationships that I have and the people that I know, I want to be like Jesus and balance grace and truth. I want to make sure that I'm as grace-filled as possible when I meet them, to receive them, to accept them, to love them. But also I want to balance truth in there. And I want you to understand Jesus didn't balance these two things. He gave a full measure of grace to everyone that he came in contact with. By the way, none of them deserved, no one deserved the grace that he gave them. And he gave a full measure of truth in all those relationships as well. This is an amazing concept for us. Because as people walk in the door, and we've been talking about this a lot. This is part of who we are as a church. right? We want to receive people with all the grace that we can possibly muster. To allow them to feel comfortable, to get connected, to know people. To feel like this is their home. But also, we need to give a full measure of truth. And this is uncomfortable. Everyone's uncomfortable all the time with this concept. Right? The truthers out there would rather just slap you with truth all the time, all day long. And they don't care how you feel about it. Well, this is true. Well, this is what the Bible says. 
And the grace people out there would rather just say, well, forget about it. We don't care what it says. We're just going to go ahead and receive it. And it's all good. Everything's good. There is, we need both of those things. And not balanced in full measure. Right? If you're a truther, you need to learn how to live in grace. And if you're only about grace, you need to find and live in and communicate and, and share what is truth. These things make everybody uncomfortable. A full measure of grace is uncomfortable. A full measure of truth is uncomfortable. And we're all going to just be uncomfortable with this until we figure this thing out. This is the way Jesus operated. Full of grace and full of truth. I'm going to do an entire sermon series on that later in the year, just so you know. Okay? Just all the people that Jesus gave full grace and full truth to, just to blow your mind as to how he dealt with people. And so we see that God's greatest presence to us is his presence with us. And that at, at his birth, Jesus was with us. But that is a, not the end of the story, right? Jesus was born so that he could fulfill God's plan, right? So Jesus is born as this little baby, this beautiful story of, you know, these teenagers who are giving birth to this, I mean, and they're traveling and, they're, you know, they're in a barn. Like, we'll get to that next week, Okay. But that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. And this story ends with Jesus fulfilling what God's plan was all along. And so the first part of the story is, yes, that God is, uh, Jesus became God with us. But at his death, I want to look at the end of the story. Jesus showed us that God is for us. Right? So he's with us in his birth. And he shows us that he is for us in his death. If you don't know how Jesus feels about you, or how God feels about you, you can see in the life of Jesus that God wants to be with you and that God is 100% for you. Okay, look, look what it says in, in, in Philippians. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even when Jesus stepped into our world to show us what it looked like, what God thought about us, he became the servant and then went to the cross to show us how much God values and loves us. That in fact, we were disconnected from God before Christ and that he bridged the gap through living a sinless life and going to the cross on our behalf. If you weren't sure God was with you and if you aren't sure God is for you, you can look at the picture of Jesus, the picture of God, and understand how God feels about you. And this is real. This is life-changing. That at his death, Jesus showed us that God is for us. In fact, he showed us that God's greatest presence to us, present to us, was Jesus' presence with us again. Because God raised him from the dead to give him back to us. That God's presence through Jesus was the greatest present that he has ever given us. And this is real. Last week... Standing at the, the, on the way out, you see people walking by. I wanted to say hello to everyone who's, you know, get, going out the door and thank them for being here. And I don't know if you've met Jay. He works the desk on, Saturday, on Sunday mornings when we're here. He's been here every sun, single Sunday morning since we've been here. Uh, he's a great dude. 
So we've known him now for about two or three months, and he's been paying attention to our comings and goings. And when the launch team, the people who were kind of launching this church were meeting, just a few of us in the room, he was there kind of setting things up for us. And I got to know him a little bit over the last two months. And so he said to me last week, right after I was talking with somebody, and then I kind of turned around, he was like, hey man, can you pray for me? I was like, yes, that's kind of my thing. Yeah, let's talk about that, right? What should I pray for you about? And it became clear to me that um, I needed to go in. Like, I needed to go in and find a spot where we weren't going to be in the, in the middle of everything. And I listened. I didn't say anything. I just listened for 20 minutes. Jay just offloaded his stuff. Just told me what was going on in his life. Man, just needed somebody to hear and know that he wasn't alone in the world. And when he was done, I shared with him who Jesus is and what he means to us. And prayed with him to receive salvation right then and there. In, right behind the desk. Right in the middle. <laughs> Downloaded the Bible app for him. Told him to read John chapter 1 and 2. And that we'd meet on Thursday for lunch. He read 1 through 4 and had 2 hours of questions about Jesus. Like, this is real. God has done this for us. He has said, I don't know who you think I am, and I don't know if you think I'm for you, or I don't know if you think I'm with you, but take a look at Jesus, and I'll show you my heart for you, how I care about you, how I feel about you. And I'll demonstrate it, not only in coming and being present with you in the flesh, but also in giving up my life for you so that we can be connected again, so that you can know this presence. And you know, it doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us that when we receive God, that we receive the Holy Spirit. And now we go from God who is with us, to God who is for us, to God who lives within us. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus, that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. That God dwells, he comes and he visits, he joins us, he, he's part of our life. And now we learn how to live in step with him every single day. It's an opportunity for us every single day to be living for Jesus and doing what he's called us to do. So he shows us in his birth that he's with us. He shows us in his death that he is for us. And he shows us when he gives us his Holy Spirit that he is now within us. This is not a God who's separated from us. This is not a God who's up there on a cloud who spun everything up and walked away. This is not a God who doesn't care about you. And this is not a God who has his magnifying glass out and seems like he is tormenting you. I know we sometimes get that idea, but we can't look at Jesus and see anything else than a God that is with us, a God that is for us, and now a God that lives within us. I'm going to go ahead and pray. God, sometimes this doesn't feel real. Sometimes there are hard circumstances in our lives. Sometimes we're going through difficult things. Sometimes we feel lonely and disconnected. God, would you remind us again that you showed us in the birth of Jesus that you are with us, that you showed us on the cross that you are for us, and that the thing that you left is now within us. Would you help us to learn how to live with the Holy Spirit in our lives? Would you help us to learn how to respond to your prompting in your presence? And would you help us to give our presence and give your presence to people around us, God? Help us to be aware of the people in our lives who just need somebody to share with them this good news. 
And God, would you use us to do that? In Jesus' name, amen.